Hello, I'm Neil Aitchison and welcome to the Willett Warwick podcast. You join me for one of a series of podcasts from the third British Shakespeare Association Conference at the University of Warwick. And the subject of this podcast is filming Shakespeare's work. I'm joined ahead of their seminar on the subject by Tony Davis, who has written several books on Shakespeare and film and was professor and head of the Department of English at Fort Hare University in South Africa, and Jose Ramon Diaz Fernandez, who is a senior lecturer in English literature at the University of Malaga and whose research includes Shakespeare on film. Uh, and first, Tony and Jose, first of all, perhaps you might describe your favourite Shakespearean film and what makes a good film of Shakespeare. Well, in many ways, I have always felt that a, sh- a film which is liberated a little bit from the language, like some of the Russian films, uh, that becomes cinematically very interesting because you are not contained by having to deliver the lines as, as they're written. They've been translated. And uh, so I've, I always find Kosintsev, uh, Grigory Kosintsev's films, the most exciting to watch and rewatch and revisit. And Jose, your favourite? Well, I absolutely agree with Tony. In fact, I was thinking about Kosinsev as one of my favourite film directors because he renders uh, Shakespeare's uh, works into truly cinematic, uh, you know, terms. Uh, if I am given another choice, I would, uh, I, I would um, definitely uh, choose uh, Orson Welles and the uh, deliberately cinematic treatment he gave to his film adaptations. Uh, Chimes at Midnight, which is an, an adaptation of uh, Henry IV, uh, is, is, is a masterpiece. Neither have you gone for the obvious, the uh, the Olivier or something like that. That uh, is that just too big? No, I think the the the, the Olivier film was was Olivier was wonderful because he was a pioneer. I mean, his Henry his Henry V was was really launching Shakespeare onto the screen in a marvelous way, and and so never never would one forget Olivier's work. One gets to know those films very well, and and when I watch Olivier's films, I can anticipate what's going to happen because I know it very well, both the Hamlet and and the Henry the the, the V, and of course the Richard the Third. But I find with Kazintsev, I keep finding new things that I can't anticipate. And it may simply be that I don't know the film quite as well. But uh, I've also read uh, uh, Kozintsev's diaries about his making of the films. And, of course, that makes watching the film even more interesting. You mentioned Orson Welles, but we've ignored perhaps some of the truly great directors that uh, have uh, produced Shakespearean films, that, uh, Olivier perhaps uh, as well. But uh, you've missed out some of those great directors and mm-hmm. your, your favourites. Uh, again, are they just too uh, too powerful, too too bigger names in the in the genre? Uh, well, I would definitely add um, a Polanski, Roman Polanski. I mean, he made a, uh, um, an adaptation of uh, Macbeth, which is absolutely powerful. And I would also uh, add uh, Kenneth Branagh to the list because he revived uh, the genre at the end of the of, uh, of the eighties. Uh, and let's just turn to that. This does seem to have been a, a renewed interest. Uh, mm-hmm by filmmakers in making films about Shakespeare. Just to think of some of the recent ones I've talked about in the last sort of 10 years or so. I mean, we've seen Judi Dench get a, get an Oscar for her Shakespeare in Love. Uh, Kenneth Branagh has uh, had uh, a couple of goes at several Shakespeare in fo- films, Love Labour's Lost. Uh, even the big uh, Hollywood names, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in, in Romeo and Juliet, for instance. Um, 
Why do you think there's been that renewed interest then? Well, one of the things, of course, that, that renewed interest in Shakespearean film, I think, was the birth of the video. Because once videos came on stream, uh, a lot there was a market for making films which was not confined to the cinema palaces. And uh, that obviously was something. And then, of course, videos could be used in education. So the making of films largely for educational purposes. The whole BBC television series was one. And I think that, you know, the, the fact that technology has moved on and allowed film to become much more accessible to people in a drawing room setting even. I mean, my, my feeling of, of, being, of, of deprivation in this thing is that you can now not see Branagh's Hamlet on the big screen. And it was made for the big screen. You know, he did it in 70mm. And it's a terribly sad thing that you can't see that as it was made now. And Jose, a renewed interest that I guess there's always been an interest in Shakespeare from filmmakers. Yeah, but uh, you know, it is somewhat paradoxical if you happen to read uh, some of the critical writings that um, 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 were written at the end of the 70s and during the 80s. Most critics at that time agreed that Shakespeare on film had come to a dead end and that it was the beginning of Shakespeare on television instead. And uh, that's why um, Branagh's Henry V was so important because he, uh, I mean, that film revived the whole genre and you may just think of the number of Shakespeare film adaptations that have been made uh, for the past 15 years or so. And why was that then? It was just Branagh and his sort of classical training wanted to... Uh, he- he traversed both uh, stage and film that he just wanted to do that well uh, when he made his film adaptation uh, his first film adaptation Henry V that was a very uh, a, a, a real challenge because he was uh, it was his first uh, uh, film as a director and uh, obviously people were making comparisons with Olivia's Henry V so he had to be really bold in order to start his film career as a director, just trying to make another uh, film adaptation. And um, um, what uh, Tony said before about uh, Olivier, I mean, whenever you make a film adaptation, and especially if you're trying to uh, to film uh, uh, Hamlet, Henry V or Richard III, you take Olivier's films as a starting point. Mm-hmm. So either mm-hmm. you... Uh, come close to them or you take them as a point of departure. And in fact, uh, there are many uh, films in which there are deliberate homages to uh, Olivia's films rather than Shakespeare's. You see, I think that that to to, to see uh, Branagh's Henry V, you've got actually to know Olivier's Mm -hmm. one in order to understand what he's reacting against and and what he's doing in his film is is essentially different. I mean, his whole attitude to war was very different from the attitude that comes across in in Olivia's film. Which was made, what, 1945? That's right, that's right, yes. Just to move on to that then, there have been some really pivotal films, haven't they, of uh, Shakespearean plays. We were talking about uh, Olivier there and that Henry Mm. V is sort of it really sort yes, of sums yes, up yes, being yes. English, doesn't it? Absolutely. It's uh, a very English film in many, many ways. Even uh, even the weather. Even uh, the pouring rain yes. in the Globe Theatre. Uh, you know? uh, and pivotal <laughs> films like we talk about, Polanski. Yeah. I mean, mm. that's a really yeah. sort of memorable one. Yeah. That, uh, so yeah. there have been some really yeah. sort of yeah. uh, great yeah. works in this yeah. area. Uh, I don't know about uh, Jose Ramon, but I, when I first saw the Polanski Macbeth, I came away with a great feeling of rebellion against it. Um, I think you always bring especially if you've studied these things as literary works. You know, you always bring a lot of critical uh, sensitivity to, to, to viewing a film. And I've now come to appreciate it much more. I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a really powerful adaptation of Macbeth. Uh, and, and Jose, some uh, 
some of the best examples of directors' works in making Shakespearean films. You mean uh, recent uh, Shakespeare films? Uh, no, we're talking about uh, Olivier and Polanski. Mm. Uh, it's, uh, some really pivotal films there in this this area. Uh -huh. And you should also add um, Akira Kurosawa to the list. I mean, he ah, yes. he translated yeah, yeah. Uh, Shakespeare's mm. works into the into Japanese medieval society. And those films, uh, I mean, Throne of Blood and Run, mm. are powerful adaptations of uh, both uh, Macbeth and King Lear. And he is transferred, not simply... Uh, you cannot speak about the translation of the text. It's a mm. translation of the context. Yes, yeah. Because everything is uh, to be... I mean, to happen, you know, in, in, in Japan in the Middle Ages. Mm. And uh, all the changes he made are absolutely, you know, a, a, a masterpiece. I mean, because he transforms everything into visual terms. So all the verbal images are transformed into visual, into, into mm. visual ones. Mm. You see, this is one reason why... Uh, Shakespeare uh, on the screen is very often more effective if it has been translated because you see but it, the original language of Shakespeare was very poetic but you cannot um, reduce the pace of a, of a film to accommodate the poetic imagery of the lines and therefore the sweep sometimes these films have a wonderful sweep if they if they've been translated like Kuzintsev's Ran for instance is a magnificent film in, in its sweeping uh, pace and its and its encompassing of nature and 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 human beings and and the human endeavor within nature and the question the whole question about where is man in the whole natural scheme mm -hmm. Can there ever really, though, be a good film of a play, and particularly of a, a Shakespearean play? After all, it's more of a visual medium, not uh, the fantastic spoken yeah. word, the artistry yeah. of Shakespeare. Yes. Must there always yes. be a poor adaptation of the of the play, do you think? Well, it's an interesting thing. You know, a lot of people said that if Shakespeare had been living in the mm -hmm. age of film, he would have been a filmmaker. Now, I don't go along with that because theatre is so different. I think you need the film and the, and the theatre, you know. Uh, I mean, the action, the interaction between an actor and an audience in a theatre is something which doesn't happen in a cinema. And I, I think uh, that that is an essential thing for Shakespeare's writing. And, and, and Jose, that central question of is there a good, a good film of the play? A good film of the play? Well, that's um, a difficult question because it also depends on the play. Because, uh, for instance, if you take uh, Hamlet as an example, as far as I know, there are more than 200 film adaptations and derivatives. I mean, uh, films that uh, take uh, Hamlet as a starting point. They may not use uh, Shakespeare's text, but they take the plot. And, for instance, uh, Hamlet has been turned into a Western. I mean, there is a Western title, Johnny Hamlet. And this is a story of a cowboy who hesitated a great deal before shooting. But uh, then the plot of the of, of the film follows uh, uh, the play very closely. I mean, it, it's simply uh, transferred to the far west, and there are many many more examples. So. It depends on the on the play you are thinking of, because uh, in in the case of Hamlet, I mean the list is simply endless. I mean uh, mm. Hamlet has been reimagined in several mm. places, and I remember having read um, in a book that uh, uh, that Hamlet and Frankenstein have never met, but this is just a matter of time. Uh, and this, but isn't that one of the central problems that uh, it's always got to be a transcription or a a changing of the play to get it into a film, and mm -hmm. is that always a corruption of a, a reducing of the play? 
I wouldn't use the word corruption. Uh, I would use, I mean, first of all, uh, you have to differentiate between uh, theater and film because they are very different media. I usually tell my students that uh, one of the worst experiences you may have is watching a film stage adaptation. I mean, that doesn't mm. work on a TV set. You have to go to the theater in order to experience a stage production. So watching a film, uh, again, is a very different experience. And obviously you have to go to a cinema. If you watch a film adaptation on your TV set at home, again, it diminishes the play. Uh, a film that, that, that strikes me as very memorable for those very reasons is the film that Burge Dexter made yes. of Laurence Olivier's performance of Othello. Now, it was filmed on stage. And Olivier's performance is magnificent. But one always has this feeling that sometimes he's too big for the, for the, for for the cinema screen, camera. Yes, yes. It's really a record of a performance rather than a film of a play. Mm-hmm. And what are <clears> the <throat> other problems, do you see, of making a film, particularly of a Shakespearean play? Well, one of, one of them, I would say, is, is that I think you have to cut the text quite, mm-hmm. quite savagely uh, because what happens on the screen is inevitably slower than what happens on stage, because a lot of things are happening at the same time. You may have musical accompaniment, which was very important for Kuzintsev. He, he used Shostakovich's music um, to give a kind of uh, a poetic um, resonance to things like the storm and so on. So that uh, on stage, Leah, Leah talks about the storm, you know, blow winds, crack your cheeks and so on. But uh, on the screen, that can be made more realistic in the sense that the noise of the storm and the sound of the voice and the sound of musical accompaniment can be balanced. And uh, I think that's one of the problems is actually to, you've got so many aspects uh, that the cinema allows you and you've got to know which ones to use and which ones to subdue. <clears throat> I think it was Peter Brook who said uh-huh. that the, the, he, he envisaged the only way to really film Shakespeare and to catch the poetic impulses and the dramatic impulses and and the visual impulses was to have the screen divided into three and you had three sections of screen where things were happening at the same time because when you see a play on the stage, a number of things are happening simultaneously. Um, there is the language, there is the, the, the movement and the gesture of the actors, there, there is all the expression of the actors, and there is a feeling supplied by the actors as well. So I think that, that uh, this, is, this is a major problem for a filmmaker, really. How do you get all those things, and how do you, how do you not allow one thing to submerge the others? Because you've got all the resources of making a close-up you can you can vary the distance of the camera, the camera's uh, the size of the actor in the frame, and you've got to be very careful that you don't uh, you don't submerge what else is happening. Now, in in that film or in that um, Olivier uh, perform, filmed performance of Othello, you very often found I did. It was very frustrating to find that you only had the camera focusing on one person speaking, and there were obviously other people on the stage. Now, if you watch that in a theatre, you're aware of all the interactions and the reactions mm-hmm. of the other people. And so what's the conclusion then about film and Shakespeare? Uh, is it a liberating medium for Shakespeare? Or do you think it's, um, it's constricted as just a, a, another director's interpretation of the work? Well, I would say that it can be either of those things. Mm-hmm. I think it depends very much on, what, uh, on how the director is using uh, the facilities at his disposal. But in many ways, I think film can enlarge 
the effect of a play. When I see film diminishing it, I always feel very dissatisfied. And I usually try and work out why. Why is that scene so much less interesting on the screen than it could be, for instance, on, on, uh, on the stage? One reason, I think, is the fact that actors are always conscious of an audience response. You know, when an actor, when an actor walks across the stage and turns, he is aware of the extent to which he's got the audience with him or the extent to which he has to work a bit harder in order to, to, to get them with him. And now on, on the screen, you've never had an audience that is going to affect uh, how somebody performs. It's very much a director's medium. And the other thing, of course, is that, that on, the, on the stage, there is a point at which the director no longer has any influence over what is happening. The, the thing is handed over to the actors, and they can do things with that text which may not have happened in rehearsal, and, and sometimes they will. Uh, whereas on screen, uh, a film being made, the director will say, no, no, no we're, not ha we're not having that one. Uh, I'm changing it. You know, let's do it again and again until you do it the way I want it. And that is what will be part of the film. Jose, that central question then, is film a liberating uh, medium for Shakespeare or just another interpretation by a director? Well, I would say that definitely is um, uh, liberating, but uh, on condition that you do not stand too close to the text. I mean, the text uh, may constrain you somewhat when you're making a film adaptation. Uh, one particular example is that of uh, Italian director Franco Cefirelli, who reduces the text uh, drastically, and instead he supplies lots of uh, visual spectacle. I mean, uh, he emphasizes historical accuracy, but you, you find that most of the dialogue simply disappears. Uh, I remember the example of, uh, Tony mentioned him, uh, Peter Brook, uh, who advocated those uh, films in translation, I mean, the Russian and the Japanese films, simply because you're not constantly thinking about the text so that uh, you should be liberated from the idea of uh, following the text too closely. And that is a tendency that is being emphasized nowadays because now there are many, many versions that uh, relocate Shakespeare's plots in the contemporary period and sometimes in contemporary language. So it is no longer uh, Elizabethan English, but co very contemporary English. And that's a new path that has been open for uh, film and TV directors. And, and I think that uh, uh, the key to future film adaptations lies there. I remember and, and, a lovely uh, thing that Kuzintsev said about, you know, about this whole matter of text. Uh -huh. He said, if you concentrate too much on the text, it's like carrying a tray full of crockery. And you've got to be terribly careful and you're probably going to drop it. So he says, uh, you know, because, because the text is so dense in, in, in Shakespeare. So you've got to allow the, the, the story, the narrative and the pace of the narrative and the pace that you can give it on the screen to take over from textual, too much concentration on text. That's mm. a great, a massive advantage of a mass audience as well. That's got to be a benefit. Yes, it's very interesting that when Olivier's Hamlet was first shown in London, um, directors of, of factories and things booked, made mass bookings for their workers. Uh, in other words, the film was seen as a way of, of educating you know, people who wouldn't normally go and see Shakespeare. And what about the future then? How is it going to develop? How is new technology going to have an influence on uh, this area and uh, filming Shakespeare, do you think? Well, it's interesting. I mean, you can now watch, I suppose you can watch Olivier's Hamlet on, on, on an iPod. The theatre goes into your mind. 
you know, and, and you, can, you can respond to it purely as an individual, which was never, it was never designed for that. It was always designed for a theatrical audience. And I always remember Stanley Wells talking about the flywheel effect of laughter in, in Shakespearean comedy, you know, that where, where, somebody, where something funny happens on the stage and people start to laugh, everybody will laugh because it, it's got, it kind of generates its own energy, the laughter. But how, how, how it actually is going to work as a, as a solitary watcher, it's almost as though, you know, the whole thing is going to become your private Shakespeare. I Shakespeare, as it were. I Shakespeare, I Shakespeare. yeah. <laughs> and, and Jose, how is the future going to develop, do you think? Well, I think that will uh, develop in, in many directions. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of um, uh, something that Orson Welles had in mind before he died, and that was making a film adaptation of King Lear. I mean, he never got any funding for it. And he was uh, thinking of uh, uh, shooting the whole film in close-up. So that was something that uh, was done frequently in the silent uh, film period. And uh, uh, he relished that idea and, and he wanted to make, I mean, I, I suppose that, yes, concentrating on, uh, on actors' faces and, and their reactions to other uh, characters uh, would have uh, made a deep impression on, on, on the viewers. But he, he died before he could complete the, the project. And obviously now, with the revival of Shakespeare and film, there are all sort of, uh, you know, uh, derivatives and uh, mm. spin-offs, parodies. You can yeah. even speak about Internet Shakespeare. Uh, now, if you yeah. click on uh, YouTube, uh, YouTube.com, you can even find many uh, productions that have been filmed uh, amateurishly by people at home. And mm. it also counts as Shakespeare. Our lives are so privatised now, you know. I mean, Shakespeare wrote for a theatre uh, where, where life was very communal. You know, people, people, people would go and see the thing together. Now, we've, we've more and more privatised our experience mm -hmm. of art, haven't we? Both music and, uh -huh. and uh, theatre, I think. Gentlemen, thanks very much. Mm -hmm.